Shall we begin? Let's shall. Okay. I'm Aparna. And I'm Haley. Welcome to the Survive It Well podcast where Haley and I talk about our theses and whatever little else is on our mind. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> um, okay, let's start with our recommendations. It's been a while since we recorded this podcast. We yeah. took an extra long break. Mm-hmm. And in the meanwhile, I, I had decided to go notebookless last uh, Oh yeah. Last week uh-huh. and I lost the recommendation that I gave you. Hmm. So you had to listen back and <laughs> remind me what my recommendation was. It was, was. well worth it. <laughs> it was a story um recorded for the moth. Yep. By an astrophysicist called Jana Levin. Mhm. Called Life on a Mobius Strip. What did you think of it? Um I have in all capitals underlined and an exclamation point. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> I said funny, but full chills. Yeah. Um, this is what great storytelling is. I think you and I both have this, and I, I'm, I'm picking it up from you, that art and math together, <laughs> art yes. and or math or, or science or whatever, oh, that's where the good stuff yeah. is. Yeah. Like... I before talked about The Housekeeper and the Professor, the book you recommended to me. This is, like, elevated on that because it's the whole story is based on this premise of if you walk to the end of the universe, you'll start back where you started Mm -hmm. in, like, the inverse direction, basically. First of all, it's rude that anyone can be both a brilliant scientist and write and perform that's this true. well. Oh my goodness, I feel that's mad so about true. That. But also, like, there is so much art in science and math. Yeah. And I just want it always... She wasn't giving a lecture, but, like, I always want... Art to, to be, be a present, yeah. yeah. Because the way we studied it in school, it was not at all not a part all. of it. And only after I've grown out of school mm-hmm. by reading things like this or, or being, just being exposed to actually how cool maths and science is, mm. it makes me so angry because in school I was good at it, mm. but I, I wasn't particularly... Like I only liked it because I was good at it. Mm-hmm. I wasn't good at it because I liked it you know yeah but actually it's just so much fun it's so fun and we just like get rid of all the curiosity that children have yeah by just making them learn a bunch of stuff it's Mm. so sad the same is true of history you know actually that's something a friend of mine said today we were we were talking about how words are the way in which through which we experience the world and think about the world, like writers Mm. specifically and and us as poets think and want to understand our lives through writing. Mm. And I was saying like, it is so frustrating to me that the thing I love most in the world, I'm not perfect at. Yeah. Right? Like I, I am obsessed with it. And I'm not perfect at it. And yeah. that is so annoying to me. <laughs> That's true. And then she said, don't you think it's amazing 
that despite everything, despite how society wants us and has taught us to value money and security and uh, like formula, despite all of the ways that the way that our systems are designed to like not give you art hmm. like somehow it's still the thing that is the most powerful force inside of you hmm. and I was like dang that's pretty cool yeah you know what I mean yeah but but I wish that I I wish that especially children didn't have to fight against it yeah, yeah no I yeah I wish there was no choice but also that that yeah it never was a conflict between how do I spend my time and what I love yeah and do people value the thing that makes me care about being alive hmm. that was dramatic but oh yeah I see your point yeah yeah anyways great story recommendation what else hey. oh I said also what a life this woman has know, had. She taught at Cambridge in the Hawking group. <laughs> uh, she started an, all, an artist colony. Oh, yeah. Then she gets this sweet, encouraging, wonderful <laughs> man. I know. And I was like, hmm, I'm a little unsure about <laughs> you. This <laughs> There's too much goodness here. Um, and I wanted to ask you about... If you remember when you first learned about the Mobius strip or this story. If if I learned about the Mobius strip first through the story? Oh, sorry. Let, sorry, those are two separate questions. <laughs> okay. You can answer whichever one you want. When, either when you first heard the story or when you learned about the Mobius strip. I was obsessed with the Mobius oh. strip. I found it so cool yeah. that I would make them all the time. Yeah. And then I would run the line through it. Oh. To, to see it come back on itself. Then there's a thing where you cut it in half and it becomes two interlocking rings. Yeah. And it blew my mind and I would just take strips of newspaper and keep just making Mobius oh. strips and cutting them and writing, drawing the line on them. So I, I loved the Mobius strip. Nice. It was, it was, it, it used to blow my mind. I didn't, like, and I would, I don't think I tried to understand how it works oh. or... But I just remember uh, reading the sentence about it that it's a one-dimensional object. And I was like, it's it, because it's all the mm, same yeah. surface. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my goodness, and I can make something that is a one-dimensional oh. thing. It was amazing to me. Wow. Yeah. Cool. And the story, I don't know where I heard. Yeah. I think. Maybe Neil Gaiman tweeted about mm. it or Brain Pickings posted about it. Yeah. But that's most of my, that's all of my information. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. I recommended to you to read a poem called yes. Pomegranates by Tala Abu Rameth. Okay. I did not know the middle name. It was oh, not on the it wasn't on the, I don't know where I saw the middle name. <laughs> Um, I think I read... Oh, That's why I, I said, read, okay. And <laughs> you said, mm, yeah, whatever, you made that up. No, no, I first read this poem in Ghost Fishing, that anthology. Oh, and in that okay. one, her middle name was listed oh, okay, in okay, it. Okay. But then I sent you a different name. Yeah. So there were two... I yeah. just had to read the first one. Just the right? first one. I did read both of them, oh, but okay. I, I didn't read don't the have anything to say okay, about good. the second one. Uh, so, yeah, I liked 
parts of it. Sure. And I'm glad that it exists. Hmm. And there were some lines that were re- like, overall it was really powerful. Hmm. And I it's this is what I've been writing about a lot in the recent past for my thesis as well. Why we need stories from everywhere. Hmm. Why we need art to be created by everyone mm-hmm. because with a title like just pomegranate was it or pomegranates i think plural but it could be wrong yeah yeah that's plural so just with that title if you just had that title hmm. i was written by somebody who grew up in abundance and in where pomegranate just represented something sweet and positive and wholesome mm-hmm. and you compare it with this experience and it just makes a world of a difference mm-hmm. and for someone who is not exposed to that at all this is such an amazing way to be able to witness those experiences mm-hmm. which is what i've been writing about that that you need stories from everywhere yeah and so i really really liked that mm-hmm. and I mean it was just heartbreaking. Yeah. It was so heartbreaking on so many levels. Mm. There was just so much sorrow in in just this everyday thing that we just see in passing. Mm-hmm. And some of the lines that I really liked. Um just towards the end there's a there's a line that is I don't know how to make them sweeter. You never gave me the recipe. Mm. So it's very heartbreaking. and uh in between she misremembers and says maybe it was a fig hmm. and she calls them like little strings of joy which was i like that phrase it's very pretty and hmm. i don't love figs yeah, we were just going to say we were just talking about your dis- yeah. distaste for figs <laughs> yeah yeah hmm. i did i really liked it i would like to read i tried to look up more poetry by this person but i couldn't Not find very any much. yeah yeah Also, we just have to go back to this pomegranate as like a pomegranate is so full of life. Mm. I mean, like it's riddled with seeds. Mm. But it's this thing you have to literally tear yeah. apart. Yeah. To get to the seeds and then it just like drips crimson when mm. you do so. And it's even though like the seeds yeah. are there, you have to rip them out and it's like tough work and yields very little yeah for like the pulp and the violence hmm. <sighs> i just love the perfect metaphor yes and as soon as i saw the title i was like of course i was like <laughs> maybe a poem with a fruit in it i think i have to do a phd about fruit imagery you totally should i think i i really have been thinking about it i've been think we'll talk about this later <laughs> i'm not going to give away all my secrets <laughs> Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think of the poem itself? Because I know that I don't uh don't have a, a very smooth and open and welcoming relationship with poetry mm-hmm. in general. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I find it hard to get into. Yeah. Sometimes I find it difficult to feel the emotions mm-hmm. because of the way they're written. I don't know why. Yes. So I was curious to know how you felt about mm. it. So, 
I feel the same way about okay. about poetry in general. It's mm-hmm. like, but the thing I would agree. I don't. Think, it's not a, a poem that I'm like. This is. I mean, there's no such thing. But this is the perfect poem for me. Of course. I don't think that this would be it. I would have poems that I would say, I personally cannot find a flaw in this poem. Hmm. It's not a flaw. That's not even what I mean. Uh, Every single line rings perfectly for me. Sure. That's not this poem. Okay. But I do like, I also find a lot of enjoyment in the poems that you like come in and out of and you find pockets of like, oh, those two lines because that's the... That's like the beautiful precision mm. of poetry that you are reading, and it's when that when la- when the language is so dense and few, you're supposed to, or at least I feel like I'm supposed to be paying perfect attention the whole time. But the mm. thing is, it doesn't hold your attention like that sure. all the time, and so sometimes, yeah, you're drifting in and out, and then all of a sudden you think that one line mm. just reshaped the whole poem for me or whatever that it's a like it's live reading all reading is live reading but there are I don't find much poetry where I can like sit back and relax and Mm. like sink into it you can't relax with poetry no I can't no that's true but in general like reading a book (laughs) you sometimes forget your reading because you're lost in the Mm. and maybe maybe I could do that with poems that I've read and read and read and read but I don't get lost hmm. in a poem. But I, I did think this was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Now, let's talk about our... The, the main topic of the week. Okay. Uh, this week, we're going on a more theoretical deep dive yeah. into, uh, into our topics. And we wanted to discuss the con- other contemporary work that's going on in the field. Or maybe... Key books or theories that have given you a sense of your place within the genre or within this field. All right. You go first. Okay. <laughs> so I, I focused most on like conversations that I'm having. Yeah. Um, the first thing that I want to talk about is something that I saw actually on Instagram, which will come up later. Hmm. Um, but this poet was posting, basically she, she posted this poem that was, it didn't have any words. It was just letters arranged on the page, like a line of different letters. And then it would go down the page in like a diagonal, a diagonal. And then they were like letters broken apart. And she was putting this, concept I wish I could remember who it you was can't see my face but I'm looking very, very confused skeptical. yeah so basically it looked like a poem mm. but there were no words she wasn't saying this is a poem I'm putting this forth as a poem what she was what? saying is I should have started with this is that <laughs> she, she was saying when she was in maybe when she's doing her MFA I can't remember exactly what it was that they were really being um told to not be extremely uh, outlandish with their form. That, like, the most important thing is the content and don't go crazy with, like, making your words the shape of the sure. thing. Like, there's a poem in this uh, 
anthology that I have where I think it's just the word birdcage over and over, and the words literally make the shape of a birdcage. Okay. And she was saying, like, she's seeing this resurgence, sort of. Like, that was a big thing of structure of, like, words when you're talking about, I don't know, going down the stairs, the words make the shape of the staircase, or mm. I forget what this is called, but basically she was saying, what do you think? Does this Oh, she's add... seeing a resurgence of it. Yeah, she's, okay. she was saying, we were really told not to do this, and so then I, she said, I really wanted to do this. I had this, like, inclination. I thought it was really fun and interesting, and I felt bad because they were telling me not to do this. And now I'm seeing it come back. And I, I, she said, I made this poem just to like pose the question. This to me looks like a poem and it looks like it could be a really interesting poem. And I think adding the words would make this more interesting. But yeah, but what do you think? She was just asking the question. Sure. And... What did you think? Um, I'm not... It's not for me. But there is this question of, like, how traditional should you be writing? Okay. Versus, I would say that's, like, what would you call that? Abstract poetry? I don't know that that's the right word. But how important is it to play with form? And Mm. I, I know that for a lot of the things I'm going to talk about, the answer is it's up to you and and what matters to you but in general this question of like it doesn't add something to me a lot of the time Mm. when the structure is zany sure but i do think that there's something that i admire about people who give themselves that freedom to like see a whole page and use a page Hmm. Or a number of pieces of paper to present a poem as opposed to being like left margin. Hmm. Yeah. Whatever. Sure. So that's just something you've been considering. Yeah. That's one of the things that's on your mind. Yes. So you don't know where you where your poetry um, will fall. I mean, my poetry falls not in terms of like I don't write in meter or I don't follow like a set structure. Or never have, um, but it, it 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 would lean more towards structurally conservative. Sure, <laughs> sure. Yeah. What is that thing called where the last word of a sentence is the first word of the next sentence? Ooh, like that game they play in Pitch Perfect. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think so. I don't know what that's called. It, it has a name. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of fun things to do with this, like lots of ways to be experimental with it. And personally, I don't enjoy it. Fair enough. That's fine. Yeah. But as a writer, we all have things that we naturally do and things that we don't want to do. Hmm. Things that we want to try and then decide that it doesn't work. Yeah. That's fine. (sighs) What else has been on your mind? Do you want me to go through all of them now? Do you want to go back and forth? Oh, I'm going to go through mine so quickly. Oh, okay. Oh, gosh. All right. So this, okay. They all sort of run into each other. Okay. If you want, I can go. No, no, no. I can can say more. 
part of like sort of the next part of this hmm. that also you and I have talked about before is this question of like I guess a lot of my next points all sort of are along the same like how in quotes should poetry be presented one mm. of the most wonderful things about poetry and the way that it started is that it was like verbal and originally spontaneous sure. and that it was for people to understand and to uh, be moved and um, to remember right wasn't that a big part of it because it's easier to remember poetry hmm. and so for an oral tradition it just made more sense right but to, 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 to bring people, for people to bring people together, not yeah. this sort yeah. of like uh, elitist uh, intellectual pursuit exactly. that we sort of see it as now. And so there's this question of like Instagram poetry. Sure. That even as like in school, when I would talk to professors about like, should I be when I write poetry, should I be posting it on Instagram? Mm -hmm. And it, there is a question of like, there are people who have gotten book deals, but it is this like, it completely takes the uh, eliteness okay. out when you have complete control over and you can have feedback right away. Sure. It's just like all social media, it's so brief. And also, it's not the type of content that people are typically use, looking for sure. on a social media. I just think that's an interesting question. What, and again, it's like up to what people want to do and some people want to. But it, yeah. Hmm. I, I have definitely, I've done both. I have for a period of time, like, posted poetry and I don't anymore and there is this question of like once you're a quote-unquote serious poet mm. then you don't post it on Instagram and you're not right. serious if you're not if you are posting it that's it's actually a very interesting question because for illustrators yeah it's completely the opposite mm. like their Instagram account is the first place Hmm. We look when we are commissioning a new illustrator to see what sort of work they do, what sort of work they put up. Because their published work will only show a very small percentage of the sort of work they do. Hmm. So those are all commissioned projects. So we don't get a full, you don't get a full sense of what their range is. Mm -hmm. But their Instagram accounts is what people like to do. Hmm. And that's where they can be experimental and that's where they can try out different Interesting. things that they want to and so we get to see all of those things on their instagram accounts and sometimes we'll find this one obscure style that they tried once hmm. several months ago and we'd be like that's what we're looking for for our Interesting. book yeah but i guess it's the theme for poetry yeah i do like the idea of it just being available yeah and especially for someone who's starting out Mm -hmm. for that to be a place and if Instagram is not good engagement then some other sort of online right. thing yeah like I don't know if blogs are still popular 
but I, I would read know. a blog. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I see the merit of it. Hmm. Yeah, it's it is an interesting question to think about. Yeah. What else? In in sort of the same vein, hmm. this idea that like uh, poetry as activism hmm. and as protest and um, I'm reading this book right now called The Hatred of Poetry by okay. Ben Lerner. And he talks about both poetry is like seen as this, I mean, in Plato's The Republic, he talks about how like poetry is one of the most dangerous things hmm. to a society. Right. And since he wrote that, so many people rely on, on that text to to enhance this idea that poetry is so powerful mm-hmm. in, in, in and dangerous that poetry um, affects people and makes people think in a way that other ways of writing don't. Sure. And and so in in a world where there is a lot to stand against, yeah. what what is the role in what is the role of an activity that is often done in solitude mm-hmm. and in quiet and and then brought out you know what in in a world where it's like we have to be out in the streets and you need to be making your opinions public yeah what is the place of something that takes time hmm. and and isolation and how far can that actually and, and and like that so i i think that that i uh solitary and like pensive act is very important and then can produce things that do have a huge impact sure but actually, what is the extent of the impact that it can have mm. at this day and age when yeah. people often don't stop to think about these things as deeply as the people who are writing about them? Right. And when things feel very urgent. Yeah. You know, and they, yeah. all, they always have, but they still feel and they feel mm. increasingly urgent now. So... So actually, what is the power hmm. and how can you best use it? Yeah, yeah. It's tricky because to see, like, I know, historically, I know that it's important. Hmm. But sometimes when you're just sitting there and writing about a book or writing a book, hmm. it's hard to see what sort of difference it will make. Yeah. On the other hand, this is this is what we do. Like poetry writing is what you do. Yeah. So the only other option is for you to not uh, write poetry that addresses these things. Yeah. And that's like that, that would be unthinkable and that's much worse. Yeah. So all of those aspects, Hmm. it just, that's when you realize that it does make a difference because even though this one poem but was hard to find, it was it still reached me and I wouldn't necessarily go seek out news 
that is being produced from that mm. particular country or see what sort of like i'd read a book or i'd read a poem yeah that's how i i get these perspectives mm. so i guess interesting does matter yeah yeah it does yeah For but sure. i i understand the the conflict with it yeah. yeah and then like you know today i spent i had a i had a 15 minute conversation with someone about whether what i meant to say was the hug or the hugger <laughs> am i talking about the hug or the hugger we talked about this for 15 minutes and then after the it feels it is that distinction to me is so important yeah like just to me personally figuring out what i mean is very important but then 20 minutes passes and i just think i'm going to spend <laughs> hours of my life deciding whether i mean the equivalent of the hug or the hugger and who does that help i have spent days <laughs> on a comma mm, yeah it, you can't get away from your brain yeah that's just how it is but and that's that's all it is <laughs> at least today to me it feels like that's all this is are those yeah. tiny things that mm. me, that make such a difference which brings me to my next point okay Well, no. I'm going to go to a different point. I'll okay. come back to that if we have the time. <laughs> I want to talk about diversity in poetry because obviously it's an important thing to be thinking about and lots of people are thinking about it. And I tried to find a lot of information to back this up and I couldn't find a lot of information, but The Guardian published uh something in 2018, no, 2020, I don't know, that did back this up. I feel like the the poetry that I'm exposed to just because the algorithms know that I like poetry, the the the, the poetry and poets that mm. I'm exposed to. The diversity is so much more mm. than books. And that could be like my own reading habits of books aren't as diverse as the poetry that I read. I don't I don't know sure. what what to think of that. but in terms of like uh this guardian article was talking about how like uh, the major poetry prizes in the UK the number of um like non-white people mm-hmm. uh has doubled i think between 2016 and 2018 i think oh, that's right nice. yeah and the diversity in like the poetry publication sphere feels like it's making significant progress like not mm. enough i don't sure. know when enough is but like it feels like a very diverse sure. field compared to what it may have been like 6 or 7 years mm. ago yeah that's great yeah yeah I'm for poetry. I think so. I mean, is it's important. Is that only in the UK or Uh no, I I mean what I'm exposed to is is mostly American. But okay. the the Guardian article was in the UK. Okay. And I I don't know why that would be. I mean What do you mean? Like why would poetry be more diverse than hmm. prose, you know? Yeah. The more you move away from the mainstream, the more people are willing to hmm. to i guess take a risk yeah otherwise so even 
I don't know if if it's true of children's literature actually mm. what the stats are but yeah it's it's easier mm. for non mainstream uh areas to be braver i guess mm. yeah and i guess i don't even know if it's like just out of personal interest yesterday i was looking at a number of canadian presses that take poetry submissions and every single page said like we're particularly interested in like indigenous indigenous uh people of color like people from the lgbtq hmm. community Pref- and that doesn't necessarily mean that they from. take it yeah it doesn't you know, that it's but the thing that they choose. yeah yeah it's... but i think in general it is moving in an encouraging direction based on what i'm seeing of celebrating their poetry because also their poetry is so interesting people's poetry different like different yeah, poetry yeah that's the thing it's basically just that i'm sure there are terrible people of color poets also yeah 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 <laughs> just the more diversity there is in the voices that you're publishing the more interesting what you publish is going to be that's a no brainer yeah. and why people are finding all of this more interesting now is because they haven't been reading it yes yeah so that's yeah the frustrating truth yeah that mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's just how it goes mm. yeah. yeah okay i'll stop now okay please tell me oh well my first point was diversity in publishing oh yay say more already spoken about but um so that's one of the big things uh, the the we need diverse books movement started in 2014 the own voices movement started in 2015 so it's a relatively new discussion hmm. but it's also it's been going on forever right just talking about uh erasure of people talking about stereotyping of people exoticism of people misrepresentations caricaturing of various groups of people in picture books now which is moving in a positive direction but still has miles to go because it's still a struggle mm. to for um for a person from a man- marginalized identity to be published because while there are calls like we just discussed yeah. for oh send us your or we are looking for people from uh, these communities or whatever mm-hmm. but the 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 staff at the publishing house is overwhelmingly white mm-hmm. so it just doesn't seem like a it doesn't feel like a safe space yeah it doesn't feel like um there are so many programs that offers uh, publishing internships to people from minority communities and then they join and safe or supported in that environment yeah. and so it there's there's still a long 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 way to go absolutely but that's one field that the conversation in this particular area is very interesting mm. and it's changing every day in children's literature specifically uh I think in general in, in publishing general. my focus is on children's literature so that's what all the reading that I'm doing is in that area mm-hmm. but another one is uh this thing called empirical ecocriticism mm. which is um a way to engage with the environment through stories and why stories are an important part of 
of having the conversation uh, about climate change mm. and so empirical is like at the various experiences associated with climate change and the environment and its effects so that's another key field that key theory or field it's a field uh, that's <laughs> sort of uh, a point that i keep coming back to mm. because i'm studying picture books but also their effect on society mm-hmm. so the picture books themselves is what i'm researching so within that the various nuances of the diversity and the the voices that are included and the voices that are left out and how visual representation makes a difference but then another part of my thesis is to to relate that to society as a whole and what sort of effect these stories have on society so that's something that i keep coming back mm. to then there is uh, oh i read a bunch of interesting articles about youth participation in social change hmm. which was very interesting because there's this one paper that went into the history of how historically all movement like activism has been led by youth and hmm. how they're always key to the most radical changes that take place in various examples of that so that was very interesting because children's literature and how that can have an effect on because that's what we're seeing with, with climate change as well yeah and all the activism around that is being led by children but also because they're directly affected yeah <laughs> also so uh not i don't mean undervalued like belittled yes by adults yeah hmm. yeah hmm. that's another area that i'm talking about hmm. and then the conversation around intersectionality is always evolving hmm. and it's very interesting and while the theory has been around for for several years it's now being applied to non like i guess it's being applied to look at various situations increasingly so it's it's interesting to see the various ways in which people are relating that theory to just like general social justice situations hmm. uh and one one other important thing part of what i'm researching is and i'm having trouble with is globalism Hmm. or the idea that whatever we are whatever we look at needs to be seen like we need to treat our world as a whole hmm. and look at the effects not just like we can't just look at oh this is what our country has to do to prevent climate change hmm. this is what it it doesn't work like that you yeah. can't it's like it's like sweeping your garbage into somebody else's yard yeah and we need to look at it in a global manner hmm. and yeah so that's one thing and I'm, i'm also having yeah. trouble with because i also want like want there to be cool picture books from everywhere and i'm sure there must be yeah but i can't find them on the internet well getting access to them yeah and and like you were saying earlier which i hadn't even thought about being able to actually read them like yeah. in a language that you can read yeah yeah or even read them at all even if i know they exist mm-hmm. i 
it, I won't be able to, they're, they're not available digitally. Yeah. I won't be able to request them. A library won't be able to procure a vague book published somewhere. Mm. Yeah. So it might be a bit tricky. Yeah. Every time, like, uh, we had a longer conversation about this, but like more and more every time you talk about your project I'm like this is a lifelong project it's too much (laughs) (laughs) also I realized as you were saying that that these are not things that I'm doing specifically in my dissertation yeah just elements of like the field I'm working within that I'm thinking about outside of it yeah but since yours is creative you need to ask the big questions Hmm. and then you can't, you can't start with... Right. I mean, I have smaller questions. Of course you have smaller questions, but I'm just saying, I guess, like, poetry has to aim to answer the bigger questions. Mm. It will. And it, 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 just like, a writer's mind need to be think, needs to be thinking of all of, all of the big questions. Mm. Yeah. That's important. I'm very sluggish because of all the dumplings that are eating. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Do you now you tell me your last one? My last one was something that I was talking about with my supervisor today. Okay. We were talking about this form of lyrical poetry, Mm -hmm. which is more like about oneself, about like I'm experiencing this, I think this. More like lyrical poetry is like it gets a bad rep for being written by women. Oh. And being self-indulgent or... What I, no, I don't think that. Sure, sure. But it it has a bad rep. All writing is self-indulgent. Well, I, yes. I, but I mean All like... All writing is... It's, uh, the very act of writing and publishing it <laughs> is self-indulgent. It's a way of minimizing... The, what women are doing. White women course. are writing. Absolutely. But... There's this conversation that I've been having and that in general today my supervisor was telling me like so many poets are having specifically in the field of nature writing, which is how, how, how do you place yourself Hmm. within nature in poetry and increasingly in like, not when it's like, I walked across a beautiful field when it's like bad things are happening. Yeah. And you have the resources to be a person who's sitting and writing about it. Yeah. Where do you place yourself? How how do you write your own accounts of this hmm. using an I voice called the lyrical I? Sure. So that is something that I've been thinking about in my dissertation. Hmm. That's an interesting so one. So much. Yeah. yeah. It's so interesting because... Because you're, you're putting yourself into your poetry anyway. Always. But yeah, how you frame it is very important. Yeah. And hmm. it's one of these questions that like, I think it's so interesting to think about. And I feel very stressed at this moment about how to actually do it. Yeah. Like I can think... That's that the I problem feel... with academia is that you're now too too in your head because <laughs> yeah. you would ideally in an ideal world yeah. be able to write first yeah. and then think about these things and on reflection see if you want to change anything. Yeah. But now before you had a chance to write, you're already riddled with all of these questions. Yeah. 
and it's very it's very scary to write from that place mm-hmm. where you're already second guessing what you've not even written Haven't yet. Haven't even written it. Yeah. Oh, that's awful. And not only am I, but I have to write it. I I not like I don't just have to write the poetry. I have to write an essay. Yeah. Say this is why I made the choices that I made. Here's the here's the discourse that's hmm. going on, and what I think about it, and why I made the decisions that I made. And I have hmm. to know those conversations are happening. So that I can make the choices, so that I can write about yeah. how I made the choices and why yeah. and what it but means. But ideally, yeah, all of that would, would happen much later. after you finish writing your poetry. Yeah, this is messing with your process. It is. You're uh, so now you haven't you haven't landed anywhere with the sense Absolutely of self. Not. You're teetering on the edge of I haven't either made... being too self indulgent or being. That's right. Sanctimonious. Or or yes, both of those things. And does someone care more if it's me? Mm. Or do they care more if it's them? Meaning do they care more if I'm saying I'm experiencing this? Or do they care more if I'm saying what if you're experiencing mm. this? Or we're experiencing this? Or no person but just a This is suggestion. an experience. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like practically mm. those make very different poems and you sort of have to write them to figure out you have to write them to figure out yeah what feels Best. truest yeah to what you want to write yeah. you you're there's not no right to, answer yeah there's yeah. no right answer yeah. but there and might also be a wrong you answer. can't possibly i don't even think <laughs> no, no, there's no. a wrong answer i you can't possibly think you can't possibly attempt to guess what people will respond to yes. unfortunately if also, you had a time machine then you probably could yeah that would be great also in general i'm not writing i mean i am writing for other people but i have to let that go i'm writing because these are questions that i'm asking myself yeah and at some point i do hope that other people will read it hmm. but for right now i have to be writing to find the answers that i'm looking for yeah but it's so difficult to make something yeah. that in my heart i want other people to like but i can't care about yeah. that so who said uh somebody famous said the first draft is for the writer yeah. the second draft is for the editor and the third draft is for the reader yeah yeah so this is just for you yeah except that you have to discuss it with people while discuss- you're writing <laughs> <laughs> this is true so this is your first and second draft yeah I would say that's the thing that I've thought about the most in the last month. Fair enough. Yeah. Who am I? Where do I belong? Yeah. <laughs> Poetically and not. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. What was your best, most, most notable purchase this week? Tickets to see Elvis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're going to see Elvis, the movie, on Thursday. Yay. And I'm so excited. Nice. Mhm. Mine was a sorbet. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me about your sorbet. I've been waiting all day to hear about the sorbet. I, I went. I went. It was my mother's sixtieth birthday. Yeah. She's a continent away. Oh. <laughs> and I spent the day with uh, a friend of mine, who was visiting from India, mm. and we went for this really long, very beautiful walk. But it was so hot. Okay. By the end of it, I was parched. But I also needed to go to the loo, and so I couldn't drink too much water. It was horrible. And then I had been saying from the time that we planned it several weeks ago, we will have 
cake on this on this day yeah we will have cake on this day yeah and uh, she kept offering me cake at the most inopportune moments when i was already full oh. and so i said we'll get cake later we'll get cake later so we came out and one of the uh, we were following a map and one of the uh, landmarks on the map was an ice cream shop yeah and so we said let's get ice cream instead of cake yeah. or we'll also get cake but they only had like stale apple crumble oh that's not even i don't cake. even like apple no pie that no. much so we didn't have we, we got one scoop each oh. of ice cream she wow. had a banoffee ice cream oh. and i had a forest fruit sorbet say more it was i don't even know what was in it how was it it was delicious what was it, it was fruity it was fruity like it me. was pinkish pinkish yeah and um, like berry ish yeah i guess okay. berry ish forest fruit yeah forest fruit so what are forest fruits i guess berries like a boysenberry or like a like a poisonberry <laughs> yes it depends on the forest yeah i guess you could be could you be in a forest of blueberry bushes would that be a forest i don't think so if it Maybe was at the wild. edges of the forest not an orchard but like yeah you could you could you could yeah i like this story yeah so the the sorbet and the scoop of ice cream to celebrate oh. my mother's birthday when i was very 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 hot and thirsty yeah good choice was um, gave me great oh. pleasure so that was my best was most notable purchase i'm so glad week. we both had good purchases truly you caught me on a week where i have bought very little i literally <laughs> went through my uh my bank statement to be like what have i bought this week and i almost lied and told you something about last week but i didn't oh that's Stay very good say that's very cool yeah because i totally would have cheated <laughs> you're very upstanding you told me especially this. given that we didn't record one last week so oh, technically the last two weeks are one mm. week in terms yeah and the of whole time david time. was here had a friend visiting i don't think i bought anything cool while he was here we bought hamilton tickets oh gosh things. we bought hamilton <laughs> tickets we saw hamilton yeah good very like nice purchases yes nice best purchases yes, i agree uh yeah tell me your discovery i'll go first oh okay i have two okay Ooh. but i think i've told you both of them no i haven't told you one of them but i've complained about it a lot okay. um I, as soon as i went to in colchester we, we like to go to sometimes we like to go to this place called romano lounge <laughs> <laughs> and then i went to uh i went to uxbridge and then i went to this place for brunch it was called something lounge but it didn't it didn't occur to me lounge is a pretty common yeah, word yeah but then i went inside and i sat and the decor was eerily familiar <laughs> and then i started looking around and i was like what is this reminding me of <laughs> and i just couldn't place it the menu was different it was different like i think so not tapas Oh, but there was the that was life. one com- component All of right. it but again i didn't put it together yeah. okay and <laughs> then i looked around and how i finally realized was the on the glass there was do you remember this geometric shape of the rectangle yeah. and then the diamond and then cafe bar is written it's like yeah. a, an empty photo frame yeah that was made and i was oh. like oh my goodness i know what this is then later i looked it up and some people started it in bristol oh a lounge okay. and then they they now have 169 lounges oh my goodness this little 
what yeah, we they saw was like lounges a and they all have the similar oh. interiors which is like these uh, ostentatious Eclectic. chairs these chandeliers and these uh, old paintings and family photographs lining mm. the walls and they are called lounges and they are 169 that's one of my discoveries okay what's the other one <sighs> I, I love a discovery that starts with the hand to the forehead. I, when I went to, when I went for my walk, when I went to Uxbridge, uh-huh. I went for a three hour walk along the canal. It was very beautiful. And uh, it led me to a river trail. Okay. Okay. It was called the River Colne Trail. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, that's the name of a river in Essex. <laughs> And I got so excited and I was like, somehow this same river is like minutes away from my house. Yeah. That blows my mind. Presently so outside the window. I, the moment I could sit down, I was trying to like sit there and I, I was just like telling my friend about oh. how cool it is that this river is the same river that's flowing near my house. I was so excited and I was looking at it on the map, trying to follow it because Google Maps doesn't mark out a whole river. So it will just show me one random spot on the river, which was not Mm. helpful. So then I tried to, I found the river on the map and I tried to follow it with my finger. Mm. (laughs) It became very thin somewhere and then I lost signal. So I couldn't find it. Then later I came home the next day and I tried to track the route of the river to figure out whether Uxbridge is downstream or upstream and then I saw where both of them were and I couldn't figure out a route for the river and then it took me an embarrassingly long time before I chanced upon the information. This is my discovery. Okay. There are four river cones (gasps) in England. They they were two separate river cones. Oh no! One of them flows through Essex and one of them flows through Hertfordshire and that one is a Thames tributary and that's why it's in London and it's very close by. Okay, who is Colm? I don't know. But I don't understand why they're so unimaginative. There's so many names you can give a river. There are so many names. Anyway, that was my... (laughs) Although I will say the, the river... Become that runs like between Waterloo and Brantford in Canada. It's called the Grand River. It's not that imaginative. Yeah, it doesn't have to be imaginative. It just has to be unique. Different. Right, 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 right. Hmm. Well, that's my... What's your discovery? My discovery we've discussed, but I can't stop thinking about it. Why? Okay. The word nickname... <laughs> <laughs> We were looking up, <laughs> this started because you said, we were talking about nicknames and we were talking about if like someone, oh, we're, okay, I don't want to explain the whole story. My friends made a nickname, asked Siri on my phone to call me a nickname I'm not going to say, but that was longer than my real name. So every time I asked Siri, oh, it would yeah. tell me a name that was like four words long. And so then a partner was saying that... Oh, and then you made a joke and you said it should have been called by Nicholas' name. Exactly. And then we realized that Nick was short for Nicholas. No, no, I knew that Nick was short for Nicholas. That's why I made the joke. I also knew that. I just... I was just... We, we realized there was part of the name is, is that where is the yeah word did it come Nick, from the yeah, short yeah. form of Nicholas I, I knew yeah. that Nick was short for Nicholas. 
I know, I know. So then we were looking up, oh, is it actually called a nickname? Because Nick is a nickname for Nicholas. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we looked it up and the phrase, or the, yeah. Short nickname. answer to that question yes. is no. It is no. <laughs> um, okay, so in late Middle English, the word eek, E-K-E, meant addition. So you would have an eek name, which just means an additional name, yeah. something that so it can be longer. Adds, so it can be longer, but it got misinterpreted from an eek name to a neek name, and just over time became a, a nickname. Yeah, I think that is so fascinating. I love when people get things wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so silly. It's yeah. so silly. It's like, what's your neek name? <laughs> It's not as silly as my spotlight. First, you tell me what your spotlight is. Oh gosh, okay, You're going mine. To very much laugh at me. <laughs> okay, mine is called uh, a good newspaper. It's a newspaper in the U.S. Uh, that they tell like news, but positive. But po- they just they don't tell you only good news, but it's always like a positive mm. reading experience. Like you yeah. feel like motivated to do something about mm. the problems so you can go to goodgoodgood.co and read their articles and stuff they also have like a print magazine that's quite nice but the headings on the website just to tell you how enthusiastic i was when i discovered this their headings that you can look for a specific news coverage on climate change covid19 mental health and racial justice mm. which i think is cool that is cool yeah Mine is very silly. Please tell. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> okay. It's a very silly one. Yeah, good. And I was taking the train back from Uxbridge. I've only done this one thing in this week. <laughs> Two-day trip. All my stories revolved around. Also, I didn't have a memory greater than that. And yeah. I just come back when I was writing down my thoughts on this podcast. So I could only remember yeah, stuff yeah. from those two days. I was coming back. And I have spent a long... I had to... It's an hour from Uxbridge to Liverpool Street. And from Liverpool Street to Colchester is another hour. And so I knew that there were two long journeys. And I kept like 40 minutes just for safety. Mm-hmm. So that I can make sure to reach my train on time. So I reached Uxbridge Station... And I got on the train and I realized that I would have a half hour wait at the Liverpool Street station. Oh. And I waited at that station so many times. Oh, we know. I'm, I'm, <laughs> and for so long, for hours and hours. Yeah. I'm honestly bored of waiting at Liverpool Street station. Yeah, it's, 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 not... our, it's our stopover, so we always end up waiting there. Yeah. So I decided... <laughs> <laughs> to get off at a random station <gasps> and just take the next train. So I was on the Metropolitan Line and it comes every 20 minutes or 10 minutes. And I was like, I'm going to take, I'm just going to stop at a random station and have some of my weight there. Aww. So I got off at East Coast Station. <laughs> it was a random, a random station. It looked pretty, so I got off. It was, uh, it was, raining and there were lots of clouds in the sky and the sun was streaming down it was a tiny station and um i sat there while two metropolitan lines went past me and i took the third one (laughs) 
I was great. So oh. East Coast Station is is your East spotlight. Coast Station is my spotlight. Okay, it's a tiny station that's good for summer with the rain. The la- the the lights over there on the station are very pretty. They're made from the same material that the pay- the platform is made from. So it's oh. like it's growing out of the platform. There was a person sitting opposite. I'm telling you all the highlights yeah. that I had over there. There was a person sitting on the bench opposite, who. was asleep on the bench but had his cap over his face and i stared at him for so long trying to figure out where his face was <laughs> because i was like how is he bending his head down at such an insane angle yeah till finally i realized it was behind his his cap mm. this all all my highlights <laughs> from his coach station i think people were a bit confused by my presence sure, why you were getting on yeah yeah But that But, was part of the fun. Oh my gosh, you're so fun! <laughs> I would never do something like that. I couldn't bear to wait forty minutes at oh. Liverpool Street Station again. There's not a a lot to do once you've seen it. Yeah, it's you can I mean, there's even lesser to do. There's even lesser to do. At East Coast Station, but it was <laughs> yeah, just but, a new. Yeah, but you can see something new exactly. Yeah, exactly. You can stare at a man so with a cap on his face. Yeah. So I did that. That's You're listening, man, spotlight. with the cap on your face. Thank you for cheering me up. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's that's our spotlight. Yeah. What's your recommendation for next week? Okay, I have. If it's not too much. You have two things. Right? No, 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 just one. Just one quick chapter. Okay. It is twenty pages. It's fine. But they're quick pages. Yeah. Of a chapter from I've heard the vultures singing, which is yes. a book that I read that I am in love with. I would love to. The chapter is called Knowledge Game: Colon Bird Song, and what she does in this chapter, I've lost my mind over. I can't wait to okay. discuss it with okay. you. Yay! Yeah. How exciting! Yeah. And my recommendation is, um, we are going to the library. Day after tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> we have, we have, so many big plans. Listen, we're going to see Elvis after that, though. Yeah. Best so when we go to the library, I'm going to pick a picture book, <gasps> and that'll be my recommendation. Yay! That's fun. Yeah. That's it. Thank you for listening to Survive It Well. The title of the podcast has been taken from Facts of Life, a poem by Padraig Otuma. Mm-hmm.